Hey guys, uh, Lena here, wanting to spend another uh, 20 to 30 minutes with you here on uh, Tuesday. Uh, we are going to be pursuing this podcast, which we're going through the Gospel of Mark. Today I'm going to teach on Mark 9, and if you're new to the podcast, every couple of weeks we just open God's Word, and now we're going through the Gospel of Mark, but when we finish it, uh, which will be in about a month or two, we'll come up with a new topic, and always our goal is to provide biblical truth for everyday life, just practical um, use of God's Word in our life, and a reminder of who God is and what He wants for us. So if you know the Lord and Jesus Christ, then um, you understand uh, that we need a daily intake of God's Word in order to make it in this life. And if you don't know Him yet, then um, I pray that today will be the day that you get to know Him. And uh, as uh, many of you know, I have a ministry called Living with Power. You can find out more about it at livingwithpower.org. I'd love to connect with you, but uh, today let's turn our attention to Mark chapter 9 and get straight into this lesson number 7, which, by the way, there's a PDF uh, that you can use that has all of the lesson outlines with homeworks uh, that you can find on my website, livingwithpower.org, under the tab Bible Study. It's the top Bible study called Jesus is Better Than Anything, or Jesus Through the Eyes of Mark or something. Anyway, it has the word Jesus and Mark in the title. So, But 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 today is awesome because we've been kind of talking about Jesus every week because the Gospel of Mark is basically an account of the life of Jesus. And, uh, and isn't that the point of Christianity, by the way? You're like, man, I want to talk about the troubles in my life. I want to talk about the anxiety or the fear or the stress that I'm facing. Listen. Christianity is about a king named Jesus who came to earth. He's God Almighty, came to earth in the flesh to live with us, to understand us, and to give us a pathway to him. And now all of a sudden when you embrace him and he becomes your Lord and your God, all of those stresses of life, the things that you and I worry about, the the things on your prayer list, the things you just wish that if there was a God, he would fix in your life. Well, there is a God. And he's using those things to turn your hearts toward him. And, and, And as you understand who Jesus is and why he is better than anything... All of a sudden, those things that you worry about pale in comparison. And so I'm sitting here thinking about some of the things in my life that I'm worried about this week. And they're important things, and they're things that I've spent my life on, and they're things that I pray that God will do and answer a certain way. And yet, it's only when I stop long enough to remember who He is that I realize that as important as they are, they pale in comparison to knowing Him. And that's why I teach the Bible. And that is why I read the Bible. And that is why I ask God to speak to me through his word, because I need reminders like that every day. So every two weeks, we get to do that together. In Mark 9, we've, you know, this last couple of chapters we did last week, 7 and 8, they were awesome chapters. Jesus um, has been still going around teaching and proving that he is God, and, and now we get to the Transfiguration, which is where Jesus, um, Elijah and Moses show up at the mountain, and is an awesome moment, and I called um, today's lesson, More Reasons That Jesus Is Better. So we already have established by now that Jesus is better, and now I'm going to give you more reasons. i got six more reasons why Jesus is better, better than anything, better than any dream you might have, better than any acquisition that you might get, better than any relationship that you might have experienced. Jesus is better. You listen, Jesus is better. There will come a time when the things of this world and the relationships in this life will not meet your need. And when that happens, you'll understand what I mean. There is someone who is far richer, far better than you can imagine. Let me read you a few verses and... Um, and, and then and then give you the thoughts. So it says, He said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. By the way, there's a lot that will happen when you go apart somewhere with Jesus alone. And that is why I wake up in the morning early and try to spend time with him alone because 
so much is said between you and the Lord when, when you spend time with him alone. Anyway, he was transfigured before them, them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. How would you feel if you saw Elijah and Moses show up? They were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. This is crazy awesome. I mean, Jesus basically he takes this, these men and they hear God speak and they see Elijah and so much is happening and it is a confirmation of who, of who Jesus is. Jesus uh, is better than anything, more reasons that he is better. Here's the first. He is more than a religious leader. He is God's own son. He is more than a religious leader. Here's a situation where the two greatest Old Testament prophets, one of them is Elijah, symbol of the prophets. Moses, a symbol of the law. Here they are. They were the most revered leaders of the Old Testament, they show up in person, and Peter's response is very, you know, normal from a human perspective. He doesn't understand yet who Jesus is. You, you might think he does, because he's made the verbal claims of who he is, but there's a disconnect still as to the fact that this Jesus is God Almighty in the flesh. It is only until Jesus, he, until they all hear the voice of God saying, this is my beloved son. And, and we're reminded in this Transfiguration episode, this once-in-a-lifetime event that, that Jesus isn't just like this great speaker. He's not like this best, you know, who's your favorite Christian writer and speaker today? That is not what Jesus is. You see, we've built these careers on, on Christian evangelical leadership styles and, and, and whole, you know, pathway in life on how to write better and be better and lead better and do blah, 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 blah. That is not what Jesus is. He didn't come to give us a job opportunity in ministry. He's so much more than that. He's so much more than a religious leader. He's not like Elijah and Moses, as awesome as Elijah and Moses are. He's not like anyone here on this earth. He is God's own son. And God, the Father, makes a point of pointing to his son. And, 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 and he, of course, they shine so brightly white as a reminder of his holiness. And, and listen, you might, you might have forgotten that. You might have thought, man, Jesus is just another great leader. I had an encounter with a Muslim young man recently at a Christian conference, and he was manning a booth for a Christian organization. And, and in conversation, it came out that he was Muslim. And, 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 and it was crazy because I, I was surprised. I said, did you know this was a Christian event? And he says, yes, I did. And the Christian, you know, the people the, who hired him know that he's a Muslim. And I thought it was awesome. I loved talking to him. I, I loved having an interaction with him. It, it took me by surprise in a good way. But then he said something that made me pause. He says, you know, it's interesting. Christians think that we don't believe in Jesus, but we do. And, and I, I looked at this young man, and I, with all of the respect that I could give him, I said, I said, my friend, listen, you might think that he existed, but we believe that he is God Almighty. And any follower of Jesus who doesn't understand that he is the Son of God has not come into true knowledge of who he is. You might think he was a great prophet. You might think that he came to live here on this earth. If you do not believe that he is the Son of God, you're missing who he is. And it, Jesus never hid the fact that that was who he was. Everything he did, everything in his life was to prove that he was not just a religious leader, but God's own son. And that is a dividing line that people have 
stood on one side or the other. And so I, I just want you to, to kind of answer in your head, who do you believe Jesus is? And, uh, and then I want to give you a second thought. Jesus is more reasons Jesus is better. He's more than a powerful healer. He is the giver of life. So in verse 14, we hear, when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around him and scribes arguing with them. Immediately, all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. So he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, um, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams and grinds his teeth, becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. He answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. They bring the boy to him. The spirit saw him, immediately convulsed the boy. He fell on the ground, and, and long and short of it is, uh, he gets healed. The father, it says, uh, the father said to him, um, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This is an awesome encounter. And so uh, the, the point of this that I'm making about Jesus is that he is more than just a powerful healer. He is the giver of life. Here's this boy who was thought dead. Here's the situation where the disciples couldn't even get this boy healed. And yet here's Jesus who shows up and he gives life. He is life. You see, he's not like, he's not like a doctor. You know, all these people are coming in to be healed. You could have been like, well, he's got a miraculous touch. He's an awesome doctor. No, no. He's in a class in his own. The guy could be dead. We already have seen the little girl who was dead and he raised her from the dead. He is life itself. He's the giver of life. So many of us want him as just our healer, but he's so much more than that. He is the giver of life and he's given it to us in the spirit. The minute we turn to him and, and ask for him to be our father, to, to embrace his way, he's given us life eternal. John 3, 16, I don't, need to, I don't need to go so far. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but what? but have everlasting life. Remember that John 3 came in the middle of a conversation with Nicodemus, who was a leader uh, in the, uh, 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 he was a, a, a Jewish leader, a religious leader, and he even missed it. And Jesus reminded him that if you want life, you've got to be born again. And many of us look to him as, uh, want him to, his healing powers in our life, but we miss the fact that he is so much more than just a powerful healer. He's more than just a religious leader giving us rules and, and, and ways to live by. He's more than a powerful healer making everything we want happen the minute we want it. He's more than that. He's the son of God, the giver of life, and then he is more than a famous prophet. He is the savior of the world. He is more than a famous prophet. He is the savior of the world. It says, they went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and when he is killed after three days, he will rise again. But they did not understand the saying, and were afraid to ask him. And so, um, the point I'm making here is that he's more than a famous prophet, he's the savior of the world. It's funny, because um, time and again, we see people telling people that, he'll heal them and be like, don't tell anybody that I'm Jesus. And you're like, why? Why doesn't he want everyone to know who he is? Or, or don't tell anybody that, that uh, you saw it when he 
um, with the boy. We see it over and over again, where where Jesus admonishes them to just to just be to to, to not spread the news about him. And you go, how how could he not want everyone to know? It's because Jesus had a bigger purpose and a bigger plan. His plan wasn't just to be famous and well-known. His plan wasn't to fill stadiums with crowds that would come and see him heal the sick. And he, That wasn't his agenda. He didn't care about being rich and famous. That wasn't what drove him to get a, on a best-selling New York Times list. He had a much deeper purpose. He was so cognizant of his purpose all the time, and he reminded disciples over and over again, and they missed it over and over again until he actually was killed before him. He tells them in verse 31, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. And he never, Jesus never diverted from the goal of his life. Not fame, but saving the world. And uh, and so there's that. Now, talking about how Jesus is better than anything. Let's read a few more verses before I give you point number four. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued uh, with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all. And took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives... um, uh, Sorry, I lost my track. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So John said to him, Teacher... We saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Jesus said to him, Do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. Um, Oh, you know, here's point number four. I'm going to backtrack a bit. Do you guys mind? I'm sorry. I'm looking at my notes now, and and I was trying to make sense of this point, and I saw that I I rushed back. Imagine me rushing past something not unheard of. Okay, I'm going to give you point number four and back up just a bit, okay? Because we talked about fame and the Savior of the world. And then here's point number four. Jesus is more than a miracle worker. He is the one who prays, all right? I I want to go back to that because um, this is incredible. Um, he, He says... Remember, the disciples came to him and said, why could we not cast it out about the demon? I read that a few verses ago, how Jesus had gotten the demon out of the boy, and, and the disciples were perplexed, like, why couldn't we do that? He said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by, by anything but prayer. And, and I love that. I wanted to put that thought about Jesus here, that Jesus is more than a miracle worker. He is the one who prays. And we see this picture of Jesus praying over and over again, and and we see it here again. Remember, Jesus was the one who would go out on his own to pray, and there must have been something so powerful about his prayer that at one point the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And that is where we hear the uh, the, the Lord's Prayer, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I just think that circumstance is amazing because I think what drove the question of the disciples to Jesus must have been something they saw in his prayer life. And how many of us might have been with Christians in our life that prayed in a way that was so powerful? I remember growing up, like, if my mom, and to this day, if my mom says to me, oh, I'm praying for you, there's something so powerful in that because I know that she's a woman of prayer and her prayers... It's like you almost feel like God hears them more than he hears other people. There are other people in my life who, who are like that. Like they'll send me a text and be like, I prayed for you. Now there are other, to be honest with you, there are some people that say that to me that, that I'm not as moved by. I'm not going to you know, tell you who, but, but, but there's a handful of people, very few people that I know that if they tell me they're praying for me, man, I'm like, I want a piece of that prayer. And, um, 
And so this is kind of the situation here where the disciples are perplexed. They're like, we prayed, and we didn't see it happen. And they remind me of myself. And I'm like, man, I, 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 why it's not working for me? And, and uh, I want to see you do more through the things that I'm trying to do. And, and, uh, and Jesus says, this kind cannot be driven up by anything but prayer. A reminder that this was not just a man who came and flicked his fingers like, boom, 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 make this happen. He could have. But he was a, the son of man who was in constant communication with God the Father through an unceasing attitude of prayer and setting time apart to be with his father. And that, that relationship was so deep and so intimate that um, and he was trying to explain that to us. We are not called to be miracle workers, my friends. We are called to be people who pray. We are called to be people who pray and who seek God's heart and who get on our knees and God will move mountains. But it only happens as we seek Him persistently and boldly and powerfully and believingly in prayer. And so I pray that God will teach us to pray as we pursue Him that way. So that was number four. I'll repeat to all those points in a moment. More reasons Jesus is better. Here's number five. He is more than the greatest man who ever lived. He is the humble servant who lives forever. I, I told you I jumped ahead before because then I read the section about who is the greatest in the kingdom and the disciples were arguing about who the greatest is and Jesus says this to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and the servant of all. And, uh, and, 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 and a reminder that, that Jesus wasn't trying to be the greatest man who ever lived. He, first of all, he is the greatest man who ever lived. I mean, he is that. But that wasn't his goal. If anything, everything he taught, including in this verse and beyond, was the opposite. You want to be great, you be last. You want to know what it means to be king, you take a towel and you bend down and you wash someone's feet. See, that is what we aspire to be. And see, I, I'm not sure how your days go, but I know that intellectually, I know that in my head. But as it lives out practically, somehow I think that God is going to make me the exception to rule that I'm going to be humble, but my way to humility is going to be by being great. And, and it doesn't work this way. You see, Jesus has a way. And we're all followers of him. He, I mean, if you are a true follower of him, we're going to go his way. Like, it, there's no other way. But the way that he promises is the way. And the way that Jesus tells us is the way, is the way of humility and servanthood. It's the way of being the least of these, not the greatest of these. I know that. I've seen it in my life. And, and sometimes I've been resentful in my heart. Like, God, how could you do that to me? But then I read the word and I remember that he's not doing anything to me. He, this is the way that he took. And so how, how dare I expect him to do more in my life? And how dare us as Christian teachers and leaders doubt any other way but the way that Jesus taught us, which is the way of denying yourself and serving others and becoming like the little children. I mean, it's just simple acts of words of faith and obedience and this is crazy, radical stuff. I love it. So this is why Jesus is better than anything. Because this one, you're like, man, this guy can do anything. He just raised this guy from, you know, got the demon out of him. He's doing all these amazing things. And then he's like, listen, you want to be great? You be the last. And and it just it's just so countercultural. It is so upside down. And it is awesome. This is the stuff of the king. And so here's the last point out. And it is this, Jesus is more than a salty flavor. He is the light of the world. Let me uh, read you a few verses leading to the end of the section. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame and with two feet than to be thrown into hell. 
Listen, you want people nowadays say Jesus doesn't believe in hell and he's the gentle savior. He is that, but he also spoke these words that I just read you. He believed in a heaven and a hell, and he promised that if if you are bent on the way of sin, this is the consequences of your sin. And if you're bent on wanting your ways, I mean, he's given. This is the words of Jesus. I'm not making them up. Verse 47 says, if your eyes cause you to sin, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell. He's calling us to holiness. He says, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Talking about hell, a fire in hell burning. Listen, he wasn't talking figuratively. He was talking literally about the fire in hell. He says, for everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. But Jesus is more than just a salty flavor. He is the light of the world. Oh, listen, he is salt. He is much more than, than, than an average bland taste. He is a radical dividing line. And, and he is the light of the world. And in a world that has gone dark, we need Jesus to light our way. In a world that has lost hope, we need the hope of Jesus to come and ignite our hearts with passion and with life. In a world that has absolutely lost its joy, Jesus is the only one that can restore it. And so these are, uh, these are tough verses. These are tough. This is a tough chapter. If you really look at this chapter, I mean, there's so much to glean from it. It starts out with the transfiguration where Jesus is claimed as the Son of God in front of the disciples. And it moves on to just so much richness. The reminder to pray, a reminder to have faith, a reminder to, that God can take. I didn't even comment on the man who says, I don't even have faith, but how my, I have a little faith. If you can, where he says, uh, sorry, I meant to show you that verse uh, where he says, I believe, help my unbelief. And how many of us have been right where that father was, where we're like, God, I, I, I believe, yet help my unbelief. And and you might be in that place right now. You hear these words of Jesus and, and, and you're struggling to, to, to understand how it all fits for you. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, listen, Jesus is calling to you today. He wants you. He wants relationship with you. He wants you to run to him. He wants to change you. He wants to use you. And he wants you to know him better than you ever thought possible. And so may God give us the grace to pursue him. May he give us the endurance to continue even when the way is hard. And may he give us the eyes to see that he is better than anything that we might ever imagine. And may we have peace and rest as we embrace the essence of who this man Jesus Christ is. So if you have any questions about this chapter or others, I know we're trying to do this kind of quickly. And again, this is just meant to be an overview of the Gospel of Mark. Um, please email me, lina, L-I-N-A, at livingwithpower.org. I am here for you. I uh, I love the emails I get from you that tell me how God is using these podcasts into your life, but also just, just hearing your needs and how I can pray for you. I, I consider it a privilege. I've gotten many, many people's prayer requests in the last month, and I know that I'm praying for you and uh, just asking God to continue to unite us in faith and in passion for His Son. All right, have a great week. I'll talk to you guys in a couple of weeks.